Good morning, everyone. This is Pastor Troy Vaughn with the Raven Institute of Ministry and Biblical Studies. Good to have you here this morning with us on another uh, search and discovery mission in the Word of Truth. Glad to have everyone here today. As you can notice, Pastor Terry is not on my right-hand side. I'm sitting uh, riding single this morning right here in the uh, Studio B. But uh, Pastor Terry is on special assignment he says, so he'll probably be back with us tomorrow. So good to have everyone. Hope you had a, a blessed and glorious weekend in Jesus, that uh, God used you and God revealed himself to you in a powerful way. I tell you what, we had a great time this weekend. We had uh, part of the team was out uh, hitting the streets this weekend here in the Daytona Beach. And last night we had a tremendous time on our quote-unquote Raven House Church. Had a great time of, of worship and word. And uh, really had a good time in Jesus. I know many of the other teams across the country and others uh, also had a uh, tremendous time in Jesus. Give a shout out to Brother Keith out there in Raven Fairfield. How you doing, my brother? I've been appreciate you being on, and that uh, Brother Keith. We'll probably see him in uh, New Orleans. But this, if you guys don't know, Brother Keith that works with Pastor Meredith there in, in Fairfield. Good brother in the Lord Jesus Christ. Got a tremendous testimony. And he and his wife were awesome. Did some street ministry with them last time I was in Fairfield down in Austin. Uh, brother's got a heart for Jesus, and I just appreciate his uh, his zeal and. Uh, passion for the loss. Good to see you, Keith. Give you a good, quick shout out here. Also, a shout out to all of our friends that that are joining us, literally from all across the world. We have pastors that that tune in and, and download our our classes from Pakistan and from India and from uh, from uh, Africa. You men, we love you, and we just tell you we pray for you, and we just pray that you're encouraged in the Lord Jesus Christ, and and hopefully one day uh, soon we can be together. Uh, uh, ministering the, uh, the, the Word of God in your countries as well as you've made the request. And we're just praying for God to uh, bring the provision that we can come and do that and just see God do some tremendous things and uh, get to love on you and hug your neck and just uh, greet you in the name of Jesus as well. So good to have everyone here today. And I, I pray that you're blessed and being used by the, the Lord Jesus Christ. But let's just go to the Lord in prayer this morning and dive into the Word of God. Father, we just thank you for this day, Lord Jesus. Father, I'm just... I'm excited and I'm expectant, Lord God, of the things of Christ Jesus. Father, I love you, Lord God. I, I, I love when you bring the just the illumination of your truth, Lord God. And Father, even those times when you have to just do a, a really a, a searching of our hearts, Lord God, and a trying, and, and, and really we have to come to a place of doing a inventory of our life and to see what it is, Lord God, that would impede the flow of your presence and your spirit, Lord God, and your directives in our life. Lord God, I, I like it, Lord God. Uh, it hurts sometimes when you begin to challenge me personally, Lord God, and when you begin to, begin to correct me, but I know that you only do that to those that you love. And so, Lord Jesus, we thank you for your word, which, Lord God, is is a healing bomb, Lord God, but is a, a word of correction to us as well. And Father, the Word of God says in 2 Timothy chapter 4, it says, Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine, because the time will come when men will not endure sound doctrine, but after our own lust, Lord God, the Word says, that we'll heap to ourselves teachers having itching ears. It says, We'll turn away our ears from the truth and be turned unto fables. Father, I pray today, Lord God, that you would turn our hearts back to the Word of truth. Lord God, as we teach this, as we listen to this, as we hear your Word, that Father, we will turn away from the fables of our flesh, Lord God. We'll turn away from the fables of false religion. We'll turn away from the, the, the itching ears, Lord God, of, of, of self-will, Lord God, and, and all these things that have crept in, Lord God, to our hearts, lives, and churches, and ministries, Lord God. And Father, I pray, Lord God, that you would find us when you return in a relentless pursuit of your truth, Lord God, a desiring after righteousness, Lord God, and holiness, Lord God, diving into the Word of God with a reckless abandon, Lord God, with the full expectancy, Lord God, that your Spirit is coming to lead us and guide us into all truth, Lord God. God, we want you to do a work in us, Lord God. We want you to, 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 to consume all the dross, Lord God, all those things, Lord God, that would, that would bring impurities into our life. We want the heat turned up in us, Lord Jesus, that you might present to yourself a glorious church on that day. 
And Father, I pray, Lord God, for each one that's with us today, that our hearts and our minds would be like a reservoir, Lord God, to receive that, that, that water of the Word, Lord Jesus. Father, anything that would bring confusion, anything that would bring... Uh, lack of understanding. Father, we just bring those things captive. Every thought, Lord God, to the captivity of the obedience of Christ Jesus. Father, we ask right now that our minds and our eyes would be open to see clearly and to hear that which You would speak to us. Father, those that have been going through depression, Lord God, have just been attacks on their mind. Father, right now in Jesus' name, I declare that the blood of Jesus has set them free. That faith, Lord God, in the finished work of the cross is enough. Lord God, I pray for health. I pray for, for a victory over, or, over sickness. And I bind every infirmity, Lord God. And I pray right now in the name of Jesus for healing, Lord God, of anything that would attack the physical bodies of your people. I thank you, Lord God, that the price for those things was paid for for us, Lord God, in the cross of Calvary 2,000 years ago, Lord God. Father, cause us, Lord God, to, 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 to crave for you, Lord God, to desire you, to, to want your word, to want to spend time in prayer, Lord God, to, to worship you, Lord God, with all our mind, heart, soul, and strength, Lord God. And Father, we thank you for all these things today. In Jesus' name, amen, 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 and amen. Once again, good to have you if you're joining us for the very first time. We are doing an expository teaching here of the Raven Ministries and Biblical Studies on the book of Romans. And so we are right now, today is going to be class 107. Amen. We're going to be in class 107 in the book of, of Romans. So we thank you for being here. But if you have not... Uh, been a part of our previous classes, you can actually go and download those in MP3 format by going to our website at www.biggrace.com, www.biggrace.com, and click on Raven Magazine, and you'll get the daily classes that are there up through number 105 is right there on our pages. So I encourage you to go back and download those in MP3 format. All of that is absolutely free, and uh, we appreciate you being with us here at Studio B, the new look Studio B this morning. Hopefully it, it, it's not so busy as it usually used to be that it draws your attention away. So we wanted to simplify Studio B here and give you a, a, a nice class to come into on a daily basis. So good to have you once again as I get a good sip of that cool water. And now we're about to drink from the water of the Word of God. So turn your Bibles this morning to the book of Romans, the 8th chapter, verses 1 through 8. I'm going to read those as we kind of dive into what we're going to be uh, hitting on today. Folks, listen. If there's ever class that you need to, after we're done with this, you're going to know exactly what I'm talking about. There's some stuff in here. There is going to be some, some a table spread for you, some meaty stuff that, listen, I, I thought to myself as, as I'm studying and preparing this, and the Lord just gives me this, uh, this scripture, that uh, this is some preaching stuff. Some of you guys are going to grab a hold of this. You're going to preach it from your pulpits. You're going, to, you're, going to, you're going to preach it somewhere because you're going to see, man, there is a great truth that you're going to find in this that is so indicative of the day and age in which we live. And so I'm, I'm giving you that so you can really tune your spiritual ears in to hear what, what's going to come forth today. But it says, Therefore there is no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do and that it was weak through the flesh, God sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin condemned sin in the flesh, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can it be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. Folks, we closed our last class out the other day by, 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 by talking about the fact that whatever we attempt to do, in the power of our own flesh, regardless of how good and how moral that it may seem to be, can never be pleasing unto God. 
Folks, if we can just get a, a hold of that simple truth, that, that the things that we do is, is we try to think they're, they're great, they're moral, they're noble, they're, they're good, they're, they're quote-unquote Christianized. Folks, anything that we do in the power of our own flesh is impossible to please God. So often we, we confront and meet people on streets or different places that we are. When I, say, I say streets in a general term, not necessarily always the streets, but anytime we're out in quote-unquote the marketplace ministering to people, Many times when you begin to question people about their relationship with God, they divert from a relationship with God and they begin to talk about what they do. And so rather than put faith in God, they begin to say, well, I do this or I do that. It'd be like coming to somebody, and a married man, and say, hey, tell me about your, your, your relationship with your wife. And he comes back and he says, you know what, i got a good job. I provide good. I've bought a nice house. We own two cars. We have a dog. And, you know, there's money in the bank. And really your question isn't uh, what his financial resources is or, or his portfolio. Your question is about his relationship with his wife. But what many times the church tries to do is we try to present, quote-unquote, our portfolio as an excuse or as a substitute even for a relationship with God. Folks, listen. The things that you do, regardless of how good they are, I don't care if you're on the streets 24-7 and you don't have a relationship with God, your portfolio is not going to measure up on that day. And you're going to see something today that I hope really sets in you. You know, we can go to church, we can do all these things, but if unless we're walking in, in that agreement, in that relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, those things cannot be pleasing unto Him, regardless of how they look. And so, you need to get... I want to give you an example today of of. King Saul, and I want you to turn in your in your Bibles as we're going to be talking about this subject in these verse, first eight verses, and really getting into verse nine on this subject of they that are in the flesh cannot please God, because that's really what this whole thing. If you want to be free from condemnation, if you want to be free from walking in the flesh, and you want to see the victory that God has for you according to the sin nature, I'm fixing to give you an example, and hopefully your eyes are going to be opened in such a degree that you're going to begin to see some tools to walk in the victory of the Lord Jesus Christ. So, First Samuel chapter fifteen. I'm going to Start reading with verse 16. So 1 Samuel 15. And let me set this up for you. 1 Samuel chapter 15 is when Saul was given instructions to go out and battle the Amalekites. And he was instructed to destroy everything. Can somebody say everything? He was instructed to destroy everything and everyone. But instead, what he did, he took their king prisoner and he took the best cattle from the flocks with them. And so he's confronted by the prophet Samuel in verse 16. Folks, I tell you what, many times the, the, the prophetic voice of the Holy Spirit will, con, uh, will convict us and he will confront us. We, we see it in the life of King David when he was in adultery and conspired to commit uh, uh, murder against uh, uh, Uriah the Hittite, the, the, the husband of Bathsheba. And he was confronted by the prophet Nathan. And, and here we go, we have King Saul that was doing some things. Another king, he was confronted by the prophet Samuel. Folks, listen, when, when the Holy Spirit or, or, or even God's, God's messengers confront us on issues, the thing about it is we, we need to submit ourselves and humble ourselves and say, God, where are you trying to bring correction into my life? We need to do that on a daily basis, on a personal level. God, listen, I want the prophetic voice of the convicting power of the Holy Spirit to challenge me and to, and to, to, to bring me to that place of obedience unto you, to, to quicken those things in my life and in my heart where I may be digressing from my relationship with you and not walking in the power of the Holy Spirit. So when we do that, what we're going to begin to see is, is God bringing a greater victory. But now listen to what it says. In verse 16, he starts out with the word stop. So folks, that's what I want to start out with today. Stop just for a second. Stop from, from trying to figure out 
All, all the things that you want to do. Stop from, from your own labors, your own efforts. Stop from trying to jump ahead and figure out what I'm going to say before I say it. Stop from all those things. He said, stop, Samuel said to Saul. And he said, let me tell you what the Lord said to me last night. And Saul said what I hope you say this morning. Tell me. Come on and tell me what God wants to say. And Samuel said, although you were once small in your own eyes... Did you not become the head of the tribes of Israel? The Lord anointed you king over Israel? Folks, listen, when we come to Christ Jesus, we have to come to Him small in our own eyes. We have to come with Him with a heart of humility. And we, we have to come to Him saying, God, you know what? I have nothing to offer. God, that I'm the least of, of, of all. Lord God, I'm the least of my tribe, even as, as He's, he's uh, speaking of, of, of King Saul. Listen, I'm just a Benjamite. I'm not of the tribe of Judah. I'm not of the, the other tribes that are more, are more prominent. Folks, listen, we have to come to Him with a childlike faith and a humility. And he said, you know what? When you first came to me, you were like that. When you first came to God, you said, God, I don't deserve any of this, but God honored you anyway. God anointed you to be king over Israel. But then it says in verse 18, things began to change. And he said, he sent you on a mission saying, go and completely destroy those wicked people, the Amalekites, make war on them and have, until you have wiped them out. Folks, listen, when we get saved, what God has done, He has sent us on a search and destroy mission uh, against our adversary. Everything in our flesh, everything in our life, every thought, every act, every deed, everything that we've made an agreement with on the, on the adversary, He has literally sent us out on a search and destroy mission. Some of you are listening to me today that, that you have quote-unquote been walking with the Lord for, for many years. You got saved long ago. But there are things that you have held on to. There are things that you have not completely destroyed. There are things that you have grown in agreement with and you've said, listen, I'm just going to allow those things to stay by. But when He comes to you, He said, I want you to go and I want you to completely destroy all the wickedness and I want you to make war on it until you have wiped it out. What you've done many times, what I've done many times, is in the midst of that warfare, a weariness comes on. You say, God, you know what? I'm just tired. I want to stop battling. But folks, listen. The weapons of our warfare we've talked about right here are not carnal, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, to defeat our spiritual Amalekites, to defeat the opposition that the adversary would bring upon us. But he says, I want you to completely to go and make war. We call it making war on the floor, getting on your face before the Lord Jesus Christ and praying, not just praying up to a problem, but praying on through the problem. And that's what it, what it means is, you know what, I need to tarry before the Lord. I need to, 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 to grab a hold of God. I need to grab a hold of the horns of the altar and, and to begin to cry out to Him and get again say, Lord God, I'm going to be like Jacob. I'm not going to let go until You bless me. I'm not going to let go until You deliver me. I'm not going to let go until I'm set free from this thing. You guys, don't be looking for me anytime soon because the next time you see me, I'm going to be walking free from this bondage. Before, but until you see me again, you may hear me crying out. You may hear me moaning before God. You may hear me weeping before the Lord Jesus Christ. But don't look for me because the next time you see me, I'm going to be free. Now, what if the church would ever find themselves... And when I'm talking church, I'm not talking about denominations. I'm not talking about buildings. I'm talking about you and I'm talking about me. If we could ever come to that place where I say, you know what, God? I'm not going to get off of my face before you. I'm not coming out of my prayer closet. I'm not breaking this fast until my adversary is completely destroyed. I'm just not going to rough him up. I'm just not going to bruise him up. I'm not just going to tie him up, Lord God. He is going to be utterly and completely destroyed until he's been wiped out. 
Folks, I tell you what, we'd be solving a lot of the problems that we have in our lives and in our churches and in our ministries and in our families if we would have that type of, of, of tenacity and veracity towards the things of God and realize that there's an adversary out there that, that, that's going to play dead, that he's going to play a spiritual possum. But we need to drive the, the sword of the Word of God into his heart and defeat him entirely. And it says in verse 19, he says, Why did you not obey the Lord? Why did you, why, why did you pounce on and plunge? and do evil in the eyes of the Lord. In verse 20, now check it out. He said, but I did obey the Lord, said Saul, and I went on a mission, the Lord assigned me. I completely destroyed the Amalekites and brought back King Agag, their king. The soldiers took sheep and cattle from the plunder, the best of what was devoted to God in order to sacrifice them to the Lord, your God at Gilgal. But Samuel replied, does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as in obedience to the voice of the Lord? Then he goes on to say a familiar passage. You probably didn't even know where it came from. To obey is better than to sacrifice, and to heed is better than the fat of rams. For rebellion, in verse 23, is like unto the sin of witchcraft or divination, and arrogance like the evil idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, He has rejected you as king. Folks, listen. The main focus of these first eight verses of the book of Romans have literally been that we can walk freed from the condemning bondage of the sin nature. If, somebody say if, if we cease to walk in the flesh, our own will, our own power, our own philosophies, our own ideologies, because when we do, not unlike King Saul, what we're going to do is reject the grace of God or reject the divine influence of God, grace charis, the divine influence of God and its reflection in our life. When we do not take that directive and we do not carry that out, what we've done is literally, according to Galatians 2.21, it says that you are frustrating the grace of God. Folks, listen. We are in an age of grace where sin abounded, grace abounds even greater. And so in our lives, especially those of us that are of the household of faith, that served the Lord Jesus Christ, that have been uh, uh, been saved, that have been redeemed, we've repented from our sins, we've, we've uh, uh, acted on faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, we, we've had Him come into our life. Folks, listen, when, we're, when we continue to walk back into that area of self-will, what we do is we frustrate or we, 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 we frustrate or we walk outside the influence of God. And that, that word frustrate literally means that we are refusing, rejecting, and setting aside the efficacy of it or the, the efficiency of it or the effects of that grace. And so if I'm frustrating the grace of God by not walking obedience to the voice and the Word of God, what I'm setting aside is that thing, that divine influence of God. Now, folks, maybe you're with me today or maybe you've had points in your life where literally you did not walk in that totality of obedience to the voice of God, to the directives of the Word of God and to the Spirit of God to the degree that He had revealed it to you at the time. And you begin to find yourself not under the influence of God, but you begin to find yourself once again under the influence of condemnation, under the influence of sin, under the influence of unforgiveness. Folks, what you did is you began to frustrate and to set aside the efficacy of the Word of God, the ability of the, of the grace of God to have that reflection in your life. And what it makes me think of is 2 Corinthians 2, 9, 12, 9, excuse me. 2 Corinthians 12, 9, it says this. It says, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. When we're small in our own eyes, just like what happened here in, in, in 1 Samuel, uh, uh, that verse 17 of, of chapter 15, when we begin to see it as it is, we're small in God's eyes, and He gives grace 
to the humble. He gives the divine influence of God upon the heart in the reflection to those that would humble themselves. And as a result, we're made strong. And so when we are walking in the divine influence, then we are walking in the Spirit. And so what we've talked about throughout this is that when you walk in the Spirit, you're not going to walk in the fulfillment of the lust of the flesh. You're not going to walk in obedience to the sin nature. And so when I'm walking in that divine influence, when I'm walking in agreement with the grace of God, not frustrating the grace of God, then I'm walking in the Spirit, and as a result, we're not walking in the flesh. We're not walking in disobedience. We're not walking in condemnation. Yes, there was a scripture. That is Galatians 2.21. Galatians 2.21. And so the divine influence should consistently, and I want you to hear this, folks, the divine influence of God or the grace of God should consistently produce divine results. Okay? I want to say that again. Divine influence should produce divine results. Okay? Write that down. That is, our lives should reflect the extent of God's influence upon every area of our lives. Take just about 10 seconds right here and say, God, okay, I want you to do just a 10-second uh, inventory of the areas of my life, and I want to see just how influenced they are. How is my thought life influenced by you? How is my communication? How is my devotion to the Word of God? How is my worship? How is my prayer life? How is my relationship with other people? How is my urgency to go and, and, and minister to life? How, how are those things influenced by the Spirit of God? Divine influence uh, uh, should always produce divine results. And so it should always be reflective. The divine nature, the divine influence should produce in me divine fruit. And so when people ought to walk by you and say, boy, you look so divine. You're acting so divine. Not in the sense of your own strength, but the divinity of Christ or the Christ likeness that's in your life through that. And so let me give you, uh, uh, let, let me use really for us what the greatest example of this in Christianity. What's happened is, uh, Christianity has ceased to reflect the divine influence. And so as a result, rather than, than, than the, the, the majority of the church walking in the divine influence of God or reflecting of that divine nature, what we've done is we've reflected the flesh and it's become just this big uh, 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 void of condemnation that we've slipped into. And so I want to give you something that has happened in Christianity uh, of exactly what we're talking about here in 1 Samuel chapter 15. And barring from that situation that culminated literally in the rejection of King Saul. Revelation chapter 1 verse 6 says this. He says, I have made you kings and priests unto God and His Father. So folks, if you're out there listening to me today, and you are born again, if you've been saved, if, you're, if, you're, if you've been uh, reconciled unto God through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, He says, I've made you kings and priests. And so if He's made you kings and priests, just like he made and anointed Saul a king and a priest, or a king in this case with Saul, as he anointed King uh, Saul king, listen, there's a requirement and there's a, there's a lesson that can be learned through this. King Saul, folks, listen, was given a very basic uh, uh, order in which to carry out. He, he, God gave him an assignment. And the assignment was this. He said, I want you to go and completely destroy those wicked people, the Amalekites. He said, make war on them until you have wiped them out. Very, very simple. There wasn't a whole lot of things. There wasn't a, he, he didn't tell him, okay, here's how you need to strategize. Here's how you need to do it. He said, here's all I want to tell you. He said, I want you to go. And he said, I want you to completely destroy the wicked people. He said, make war upon them. And he said, do it until they are completely wiped out. But I want you to look at the first part of that assignment. You can, you can circle that if you're still there in, in 1 Samuel chapter 15. Uh, uh, verses, I guess that is... 
verse 16 through 23, where he says that, he said, I want you, in verse 18, he said, I want you to go. Circle that word, go. Folks, listen. The first part of the assignment that God gave that king is the first assignment that God has given every one of us as kings and priests unto him, according to Revelation 1.6. It is the assignment of go. That was the first part of the assignment that was given to the church, folks. Listen, as we've been raised up as kings and priests. But folks, what has happened is many in the church have frustrated the grace of God or the divine influence of His command by refusing to even go in the first place. You will never, somebody say never, you will never see the wickedness in your life defeated. You will, you will never see it wiped out until you first go to the battlefield that God has instructed you to go to. Folks, listen. And I'm going to get into this in just a minute. But I want you to think about just that, that last thing that he gave him in verse 22. He told, he told Saul, just like he's telling us, to obey is always better than to sacrifice, and to heed is better than the fat of rams. In, in other words, all of our good in, uh, uh, intentions, all of the things that God has told us to do, all of those, all those things we think are good ideas, none of those things will measure up until we're obedient to the first directive that God gives us. And so he was told to go. Then he was specifically given some instructions and what to do in order to carry out phase two of those instructions. And he said, I want you to do this. And he said, I want you to completely destroy them until they are all wiped out. Folks, listen. We as believers have been given specific instructions. We've been told this. We said, go. And when we go, we are to preach the gospel. Okay? He was told to go and completely to wipe them out. We're told to go and preach the gospel, to bring the word of God, the message of the cross. Folks, listen, isn't that easy and simple to understand? But what King Saul has done, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ has also done. What he decided to do was to improvise on the plan of God by deviating from the directive and thus what do you say? Frustrating the grace of God by refusing, rejecting, and setting aside the efficacy of God's grace or God's directive on the assignment that He has given to him. And what was the result of him rejecting the directive that God had for him? He was rejected by God as king. But folks, listen. He had some tremendously great excuses. He says, well, you know what? He said, I basically did what you told me to do. He said, I went and fought with him. He said, I, I, I went to church. I lived pretty moral. I gave my 10%. I sung songs. I served on the deacon board. I was an usher. Now, folks, listen to what he said. He said, I went and did all those things. I fought with them. Now, how often how, or how long are we going to find ourselves taking on the role, not of a King David, who when he was confronted by the prophetic voice of God through the prophet uh, uh, Nathan, said, you know what, God, have mercy upon me. I, I, I give myself to you. I, I've, I, I've failed. And, and Lord God, take not your Holy Spirit from me. In other words, don't allow me to continue to walk in the flesh. Or are we going to be like a King Saul and when we're confronted by the prophetic voice, in his case, uh, the prophet Samuel, and say, Lord God, you know what, I, I basically did what you told me to do. I'm, I'm basically a good person. I'm basically moral. I'm basically doing those. Folks, listen. We will never be able to walk in accordance with God's plan and, and as a result have victory over the sin nature, have victory over the bondages of the flesh, experience the deliverance that God has for us, experience the, 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 the walking literally in the God-appointed destiny for our lives if, we're just, if we continue to make excuses on why we're not going to do it. Well, God, I would have done it, but that person over there talked bad about me. I would have done it, but that preacher hurt my feet. 
feelings. I would have done it, Lord God, but I didn't have enough money. God, I would have done it, but I didn't have enough time. God, I, I would have done it, but I didn't have enough sleep. God, I would have done it, but I didn't have enough help. Folks, listen, none of those excuses are going to measure up after God has given us the prime directive to go. And He said to obey is better than to sacrifice. To obey is better than your excuses. If, if we do not do what God said, we are going to find our kingship literally rejected by God and we're going to walk back into the condemnation of the flesh. We're going to walk back into the, the judgment of the flesh rather than the freedom and the victory that God has promised us through His Word, through faith in the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Folks, listen. King Saul did much of what he was instructed to do. Do you hear me? He did much of what he was instructed to do. He just kept the king alive as a prisoner and he just took the best of the flocks as a sacrifice, as he said. But he did most of what God wanted him to do. Folks, here's the problem. It's that once he rejected the prime directive to go and completely destroy everything and to war with them until it was gone, everything that followed was tainted by rebellion. Do you hear me? Everything else, regardless of how close it was, regardless of how good it looked, regardless of the results that it produced, was tainted by rebellion. And he said that rebellion is like the sin of divination. It's like witchcraft. And it brings about, it says, an arrogance like the, uh, the evil of idolatry. Folks, listen, when we do just enough, and we think we're just getting close enough, and we think that God's going to say, you know what, they gave, a good, they gave a, a good effort. Folks, listen, good effort is not what God's looking for. What God is looking is for is total obedience. He said, I have rejected you is because you were so arrogant to believe that you could get by with just doing 99% of what I told you to do. He said, you were so arrogant and prideful that you entered into a, a, a spirit of divinity that the Spirit of God came off of you and the Spirit of divination came upon you and you begin to walk once again according to the flesh and condemnation has found you right where you're at. Folks, listen, we, can't, we do not have a smorgasbord religion. We have one way, one truth, one life and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. We have one thing that we can follow and that is obedience under the directive that these 66 clips of the Word of God have instructed us to follow and do these type of things. If we think we can take a piece of it here or a piece of it there and expect the blessings of God to be upon us. We need to take the example of, of King Saul in, 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 uh, in First Samuel chapter fifteen, what verses sixteen through twenty-three, and to see that when God tells us to go and to utterly destroy our adversary and to war with them until they are completely wiped out. Folks, if we do not do that, what we're going to find ourselves once again is being confronted by the prophetic voice of, of, of God's Word and God's Holy Spirit that says, I've rejected you because what you have done is you have found yourself frustrating the grace of God. You have found yourself refusing, rejecting, and setting aside the efficacy of it and as a result not having the divine fruit of the divine influence. And so what he decided to do was to improvise the plan of God. Folks, we can build whatever we want to build and try to call it Jesus. Do you hear me? But if we are not actively pursuing the go, do you hear me? And to do what God has called all of us to do, then what we've done is we have taken prisoners of our enemies, kings, and have gathered their flocks as testimonies of our own rebellion. And so, folks, when we say, when God tells us to do something and we do not do it, when God gives us a clear instruction on how to follow Him, on what to do, and we are not walking in obedience to them, basically what we have done is we have taken prisoner the foreign kings. 
Listen, guys, much of what is involved in Christianity today is the influence of the prisoner kings. It's the influence of the flesh that we've taken prisoner. It's the influence of the, of the system of this world that we've tried to embrace and say, you know what, I can take that king because he might be a good hostage for me. But as that king, so to speak, as that power, as that principality, as our excuses, as our, as our past, as that origin comes back, what it begins to do is begins to whisper in our ear. And it says, hey, have you ever thought about this? This might work. This worked for me. And what we begin to do is we begin to be enticed back into that place of rebellion. Folks, listen. When we come to Christ Jesus, He tells us just like He did. He said, you go and you destroy completely those wicked people, the Amalekites. You make war on them until you've wiped them out. And if we come back saying, well, God, listen, I brought the king as a token or I brought the best of the flocks to sacrifice them unto you. Folks, listen. What we have done is we have frustrated the grace of God and we have come out from under that divine influence upon God. So then, in verse 8 of Romans after 8, so then that are in the flesh, those that are trying to improvise God's plan by deviating from the directive cannot please God. Folks, we will never be able to please God with good intentions. The only thing that pleases God is good obedience, is faithfulness under the things that God has said. Regardless if we say, well, God, i got a better plan or i got a better way. The one thing that will keep you in the position of victory over the sin nature and thus free from, obe- uh, from condemnation is just merely being obedient to what God speaks to you in His Word. 2 Thessalonians, write this down. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 3. He says, Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come, except there be a great falling away first, and that the man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition. He said, Let no man deceive you. To be, to be deceived is to be seduced out of the way. Folks, listen. All these things that we're talking about this morning, how the adversary works, is through seduction. What is seduction? Seduction is like a woman uh, trying to seduce a man or a man trying to seduce a woman. What he does, he gives that longing look. He, he, he goes and he tries to, 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 to test the waters. If I, if, see if they're going, to get, they're going to turn and look the second time. It's whatever it is to produce a seduction. Then it begins to, to, to give those flattering words. Then what it does, it, it brings you in and it begins to pull you away and embrace you until you've, 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 you've conceived and brought forth death. Folks, that's the exact same. He said, don't let anything seduce you. Seduction always looks good because it appeals to something in our old nature. Seduction does. And folks, listen. We don't, I'm not talking about a seduction in the world. I'm not talking about seductions to go and, and, and go do drugs or, 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 or go commit adultery or seduction to go serve false gods. I'm talking about the seductions that we've allowed into the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. The seduction that looks good, that it woos us, it, it promises us something, it promises our best life now. It says that there's seven things to a better me and, and, and some type of accomplishment I can have. Folks, listen, the, the, the obedience that God has called us to is to deny ourselves, to take up our cross and to follow Him. And it's the same directive that He gave us in Mark 16, 15, to go, the same word that He gave Saul right here in the, in the 18th verse of 1 Samuel chapter 15, to go and completely destroy the adversary. Folks, He's told us to go. And any time we deviate from that, any time we try to improvise from the plan of God by having our own way, it says that there'll be a great falling away. Second Thessalonians two three. That falling away is the word apostasia, and it means the deviation from the truth. It means to deviate from something. And so a deviation is not just a whole scale abandonment. If I popped a, a plumb line or a chalk line on a table, and I was just a, a little bit out to begin with, it may look okay for a while. 
But the end of it is going to be completely off plumb. It's going to be totally across the room. Folks, listen. What has happened in Christianity in the last few generations is exactly what has happened right here in Romans 1 through 8 and is what's happened in 1 Samuel 15, 16 through 23. There's been a directive that God has given because there was an, an improvising in that. What has caused is condemnation to come back in. It's causing a rejection. It's caused us to move out of the divine influence and as a result to cease to bring the divine fruit that God has for our life. There's been a deviation from the truth that has brought forth that seduction into not, not, not only a seduction, but a reduction in the realm of Christianity. And so, folks, listen. Freelancing the gospel equals rebellion. Do you hear me? Freelancing the gospel really genuinely equals rebellion against the direct orders of the Holy Spirit. When God tells us to do something, when God gives us a, a, a directive, just like He gave uh, King Saul through, through Samuel, the prophet Samuel, basically when God says go and do something you don't, what you are doing is you are rejecting the voice of the Holy Spirit. So when's the last time that God put something upon your heart and revealed it to you in the Word? He confirmed it through the Word of God and you did not do it. You know what you've done? You, you found yourself rejecting the voice of the Holy Spirit. Folks, that's a dangerous place to be because what happens is as we reject the voice of the Holy Spirit, as He tells us to go, as He tells us to do it, as He gives us instruction on those things, when we reject Him, basically what it does, it begins to harden our hearts and we become desensitized to His voice. It's like a callous effect. As I reject, as I press, it's like a layer of rebellion, a layer of arrogance builds up against those things. And then when He comes and He begins to speak to my heart, when He begins to, to want to influence me, we begins to want to touch me. No longer, folks, am I sensitive to the voice of the Holy Spirit. Why? Because I've not drawn Him close. And so this may present, really, if when rebelling against Him and, or even uh, freelancing what God has told us to, it may produce a momentary victory over our spiritual Amalekites. But, folks, what it will always result in is our being rejected by God. What the church has experienced in 2,000 years of ex existence is, is slowly but surely we've seen that 2 Thessalonians 2.3 deviation from the truth. What, what we've seen is that frustrating the, uh, the grace of God uh, according to, to Galatians 2.21. We've seen those things happen. And as a result, what we've done is we've, 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 we brought those, those foreign kings into our land. we brought their foreign cursed flocks into our, into our spiritual houses. And so down the road, what has happened? We don't have the blessing of God anymore. We're not walking in the power of God. We're not walking in the spiritual results and that divine influence that God has for us. Now, what the church has done, the church has, has paraded around the bounty of our rebellion and has expected God to honor it. That's what we've done. God, but look at this great building I've got. God, great, look at this great following that I have. God, look at the great respect and the admiration of men in the world that I have. Look at this. Shouldn't you honor me? And God said, that's not what I told you to do. He didn't say, I didn't tell you to build a bigger barn. He said, I told you to kill all the flocks. He, and we said, God, look what I've taken prisoner. Look who I have. Look, what, look who I'm parading around. He said, I didn't tell you to parade around the, the, the king of the Amalekites. I told you to utterly destroy those things that they would cease to have influence upon your life. Now look at 1 Samuel verse 15, 30, uh, 32 through 33. Listen to what it says. And it says, Samuel said this as a result of his... his his, uh, his rebellion, Saul's rebellion. He said, I want you to bring to me Agag, the king of the Amalekites. And it says, Agam came unto him delicately. You hear what he said? He said, I want you to bring that king that Saul spared. And it says, Agag came to him 
delicately. He came to him in finesse. He came to him sweet talking. And here's what he said, Surely the bitterness, bitterness of death is past. In other words, don't you think we've suffered enough? Don't, don't you think we all should just have that Rodney King attitude? We all should just get along? Don't you know that, 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 that God doesn't want any conflict? Don't you know that we should just love everybody into the kingdom? Don't you just know that, that we shouldn't say anything bad? Don't you know that we ought to just get along and just, and sing the spiritual kumbaya? Folks, doesn't that happen? I tell you what, every time I find myself, uh, through the directive of the Holy Spirit, having to, God calling me out to go and confront literally the, 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 the spiritual Amalekites. Man, I have, I have the, the kings always coming back delicately saying, you know what, brother? You know what? We, don't need, just, we need to just let God handle that. We just don't need to say anything about that. Folks, listen. God has told us to go and He's told us to preach the gospel and He's saying, I don't want you to stop until you see those things completely and utterly destroyed. And it says, Samuel said, as your sword has made women childless, so shall the mother your mother be childless among women. And Samuel went and he cut Agag in pieces before the Lord in Gilgal. He didn't say, listen, I don't care about your sweet talking. I don't care about your religiosity. I don't care about your, 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 your great excuses. I don't care about those things about we all should just get, get along. He said, think not that I came to bring peace. That's what Jesus said. Nay, but I've come to bring the sword. I've come to utterly destroy those things. Why? Because the kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent take it by force. I'm not going to take your flocks into my, my barns. I'm not going to take your kings into my home. I'm going to destroy those things that they will no longer have an influence over me, but I will find myself no longer frustrating the grace of God, no longer walking in rebellion against the things of God, no longer rejecting the directives of the Holy Spirit. I want to walk once again in the things that God has told me to. I want to obey the voice of go. I want to be what God has said. I don't want to be built up in rebellion. I don't want to be walking in arrogance. I want to walk in the Spirit of God regardless if I I completely understand it regardless if I know the end from the beginning because I know Jesus and I want to do the things that He's called me to do. And it says Samuel took it. He cut Agag into pieces before the Lord in Gilgal. You know what? I, I hear that word Gilgal. I don't even know if you know the significance of Gilgal, but literally Gilgal was the first place that the Israelites encamped when they came over the River Jordan. What, what is that likened to? It's, it's kind of like our first love. Folks, listen. You will never return to your first love. Think of, I want you to think about something. You know, you may think to yourself, man, let's set all these things are such an Old Testament concept. I want to give you a New Testament reference to what we're talking about in 1 Samuel chapter 15, verses literally 16 through what I just read, verse 33. Okay, write that down. You put, oh, here's the Old Testament example. Now, here's the, 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 the New Testament example of the exact same thing that I'm talking about this morning in relationship to Romans chapter 1, verses 1 through what's going to be 9. And it's Revelation 2, 1 through 4. Revelation chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. Here's what he said. He said, Unto the angel of the church of Ephesus, Unto who? Unto the angel or the messenger of the church of Ephesus. The who of Ephesus? The church of Ephesus. Okay? This is not unbelievers. This is believing people. This is the, the same kings and priests that were mentioned in, in the first chapter. He says, Under the angel of the church of Ephesus, write these. He said, These things says he that holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. Who's that? That's Jesus. He said, I know your works. I know your labor and your patience and how you can't bear that, those things that are evil and how you've tried them which were, are, are, are apostles and are not and have found them to be liars. You've, you've borne and had patience for my namesake. And you've labored and not fainted? In other words, I know that you're doing a lot of good things. Is that not what he just told the church at Ephesus? He said, listen, you're doing much of what I've told you to do. 
Nevertheless, I have somewhat against you because you have left your first love. He said, all these things that you're doing are all great and rosy. They're all sweet. They're all commendable. But he said, I have something against you because you have left your first love. And he said, I want you to remember. Folks, today you need to remember. You need to remember the trap that the adversary had you in. You need to remember the deliverance that God brought into your life. You need to remember the hope that you did not have apart from walking in the Spirit of God. You need to remember the, the enticements of the of, of, of King Agag that had brought into your life spiritually. You need to, to remember the, the Amalekite spirit that was upon you. He said, remember where you, where you have fallen and repent. He said, you need to remember where you come from and start thinking differently and do the first works or else I will come unto you quickly and I'll remove your candlestick out of its place except you repent. What did it say happened to Saul because of his rejection of the directive? Because he did all these things. I know your labor. I know your patience. I know you can't bear those things that are evil. I know that you tried and you the, the, those that claimed to be apostles that weren't. I know that you found them liars. I know that you've been patient. I know that you labored. I know that you've not fainted. But listen, all that stuff's not going to do you a bit of good if you've left your first love. He said, you need to know where you've fallen from. You need to know that I've given you a directive to go and utterly destroy those things until they're completely wiped out. Unless I will come unto you quickly and remove your candlestick, I will reject you. I will re re reject the call that I've placed upon your life. I will remove that light. You once were the light of the world, but I will snuff out that candlestick except you repent. Folks, listen. That's a tough one for us as, as Christians. Why? Because we've been sold such a deviated message for so many generations. We're told you just come and God has put a crown on your head, that you're, you're, He's made you king and, and you're a priest and you're saved. Now, do you just pretty much go out and rule the kingdom and the dominion that God has put you over and do whatever you want to? Folks, i got good news for you that God is not a man that He should lie or the Son of a man that He should repent. He is the Lord God and He does not change. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday. He is the same today. He is the same forever. The standard that God has brought us to is the exact same. It has not changed. If you think that just because you are in the age of divine influence of God or the age of grace that you can somehow experience something and deviate from the truth, listen, the Word of God is very explicit. And we, because we have got the empowerment that God, the, the, the Spirit of God just rested upon Saul. It said the Spirit of God rested on Saul. Listen, He don't just rest in us. We talked about this. John 14, John 16, John 24, Luke 24, Acts chapter 1, Acts chapter 8, Acts chapter 5, Acts chapter 9, Acts chapter 11. We know that the Spirit of God dwells inside of us and it empowers us through the, the, the residing person of the Holy Spirit. And if we think for a minute that we can say, God, well, I kind of went out and did most of the things, and, but I, I, I haven't finished what you've called me to do. What we've done is we have fallen and we've rejected our first love. We've rejected that place of Gilgal. And we've got to come back today and every single day to that place and cut King Agag to pieces before the Lord at Gilgal. When they came over the, the, uh, the River Jordan, when they came into that, that place, the first place that they camped was Gilgal. It was the place that they established the encampment. It's the place that they established an altar. And they said, Lord God, we want to serve you. Folks, listen. We've got to come to that place where we say, listen God, that, 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 that come hell, high water, come uh, 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 men wanting to reject me, or come the losing friends and family. Lord God, I've chosen to serve you rather than God. No longer I'm allowed the spiritual arrogance of the deviation of the truth to come into my life. That I'm going to cut that 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 
king of the Amalekites to pieces and no longer will I entertain that rebellious spirit and that spirit of divination inside of me. Folks, you will never be able to walk in the victory of there is no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus unless you learn to walk in the Spirit. And the Spirit always speaks what the Father says. The Spirit is always in total, not most uh, uh, obedience to God, but the Spirit of God always speaks in total agreement to the things of God. So what the church has done, whole scale... Is God told us the exact same thing that He said in 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 18. He told us to go and we have not gone. We have not gone into all the world and preached the gospel. We not have not warned them from the wrath to come. We have not been ministers of reconciliation. And for some, for some unknown reason, we thought that that's okay. We thought that, okay, God, if, if I reject you, then you're not going to hold me accountable to that rebellion. Folks, i got news for you. Much of what the church's experiences is exactly what King Saul did. Yeah, we, we have the best of the world's flocks. We have, the, we have their kings captive. But God is not impressed with those things. To obey is always better than to sacrifice. And to take heed to what God has said is always better than the fat of rams. And so if we think that we're building, we're doing, we're participating, apart from being obedient to when God tells us to go, Folks, listen, we're going to find ourselves frustrating once again the grace of God and walking out from under God's blessing. And He's going to reject us. And according to, to Revelation 2, verse 4, He's going to come unto us quickly and remove our candlestick out of our place unless we repent. I know that's a mouthful. I know that's some, a hard thing. But folks, listen, that is literally the prophetic voice of the Word of God. That is straight up the Word of God for us. We've got to come to that place of obedience to that, not thinking we're going to sidestep obedience to God. Then he says in, in verse 9, in Romans chapter 8, verse 9, here's the good news. But you, folks, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. Somebody say hallelujah. You're not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. Uh-oh. Maybe your, your, your hallelujah was short-lived. Because then he goes on to say, If so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. Folks, when he says, but, the Spirit, but in the Spirit, you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, he's basically saying, listen, you're not in the flesh if you are walking under the directives of the Holy Spirit. If you are going to the Amalekites and completely destroying them, and you are warring with them until they are totally wiped out, then you are in the Spirit. And so, listen, you've got to ask yourself the question today, are you walking in the flesh? Are you walking in the Spirit? Now, I didn't say all those things are defeated. The, the directive was to go and you war with them until they're defeated. Okay? Some of you may say, well, man, Pastor, i still got things that I'm battling with. The question is, are you still battling with them? Because if you're battling with them, you're in obedience. You're, you're still fighting, you're still wanting to destroy them. To be in disobedience, to walk in the flesh, is saying, you know what, what? Listen, I've just pretty much just, just given myself over. I've just come into a, a detente. I've just come into a, a peace treaty with those type of things. And I've allowed them to stay. And so I'm just kind of parading them around and say, well, you know what? This is just the way it is. This is just my personality. This is just my struggle. And if God wanted, them to, uh, God, God wanted these things defeated, that's just the way it is. Folks, listen, that's two different things. If you're walking and you're warring and you're battling, you're saying, you know what, man, i got to struggle today, but man, I'm struggling in it. I'm fighting in the, in the Spirit and I'm believing God is going to bring me the victory. Folks, listen, that's what God told him to do. That's what the directive for, for, uh, uh, for King Saul was. He said, I want you to war with them. 
He said, just keep fighting and tell their wife that. You just keep fighting. You keep fighting. You keep fighting. What did Paul the Apostle say in, in 2 Timothy chapter 4? He said, I fight the good fight of faith. Folks, listen, what God has called you to is the fight. He's caused you to get out of your seats and get into the streets. He's caused you to, 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 to quit hiding out and to get into the battle. Are you going to get bumped and bruised? Are there going to be some casualties? Are there going to be some, some things that you're going to have to do? Absolutely there are. But that's part of being obedient. That's part of the trial. That's part of the tribulation. That's part of the refining fire that God brings into every single one of our lives. But folks, listen, as long as we're in obedience, as long as we keep fighting, as long as we keep warring against those those things that the presence of God, that we are still have our candlestick in its place, we still have the blessings of God, and we still have the divine influence of God that's going to produce divine results. You may not see them now, but as long as you continue to fight, as long as you've got your hand to the plow and you do not look back, you're going to see the victory of God. Having done all to stand, stand ye therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, having the breastplate of righteousness, your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, the shield of faith. As long as I'm outfitted for warfare and I'm not just standing on, on one side and on the, in, 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 the, in, the, in, the, in the valley of decision, but I'm out there in the middle of the fight, you know what, folks? God is going to bring you through those things. God is going to be well pleased because then you're not walking in arrogant rebellion to the things of God. It is the Holy Spirit, folks, that puts inside of every single one of us the compassion and the urgency in the heart of the believer to follow after Christ Jesus, assuming that we completely follow after His will. He said, but you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If so, the Spirit of God dwell in you. If the Spirit of God dwell in you. Dwell is that Greek word oikeo, O-I-K-E-O, oikeo. And it means that He moved in. It means that He has made residence. That he has moved in. If somebody moves in, listen, your whole life is altered. If he moves in and he takes up chief residence, he says, go, and what do you do? You go. He says, pray, what do you do? You pray. He says, preach, what do you do? You preach. He says, pray, what do you do? You pray. He says, worship, what do you do? You worship. Why? Because he has moved in. And we can walk in that if we allow him to move in, that oikeo, to take up residence. Acts 17.28, in him we live. In Him we move. And in Him we have our being. In other words, God, if you said go fight them, and you fight them until they're defeated, I'm going to fight them until they're defeated. And then he goes on to say in this verse 9, he says, Now if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. Folks, listen. Apart from the Holy Spirit working in our lives and through our lives, and through inviting literally Him to come and fill us and to baptize us in the Spirit of God, Folks, we will find it totally impossible to walk in obedience to God. Did I say you find it obedient, uh, impossible to get saved? Absolutely not. But, uh, uh, because we're saved by grace through faith, not of our own works, lest any man should boast. But I tell you what, He tells us to come and to be filled that we talked about. To be being filled. To allow the Spirit of God to fill us up on a daily basis. To be baptized. To be submerged in His Spirit. And allow the, the water of God's Spirit to flow out of us like a river of living water. If we are not walking in that, you will find it literally impossible to walk in obedience to the things of God. And as a result, you will find yourself constantly at odds against Him in, in that rebellious type of place. And you'll, you'll find yourself frustrating the grace of God. Zechariah 4.6 tells us, it's not by might, it's not by power, but it's by the Spirit, uh, by my Spirit, says the Lord God of hosts. Folks, listen. It's got to come to that place where we're walking in obedience to the Spirit of God. Regardless, we're not saying I'm doing most of what God says. I'm doing all these things 
and frustrating the grace of God, but he says, listen, I told you to go in totally and fight and war with those things until they're completely destroyed. Then Romans 8.10 says, And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit of life because of righteousness. Folks, listen, all those things lead up to that fulfillment in verse 10 right there. He said, if he's in you, there's going to be divine fruit. He said, you're going to find the body is dead. In other words, your, your, your receptivity to the wooing or the seducing spirit of the sin nature is going to be eliminated. You're going to find yourself, as I'm walking in the Spirit, it's going to be easier and easier to reject the flesh. It's going to be easier and easier. If I, if I cut the uh, 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 King Agag into pieces, listen, he's not going to be there to entice me. If I, if, I, if I devour my adversary and I'm fighting against it, he's not going to have time to raise his head up and to begin to woo me and seduce me. If I'm out there in the battle going and doing and being the things that God has called me to do, and it says why? Because then the Spirit is life. Because of righteousness. Think back. Think back to the first chapter of the book of Romans. He tells us, Paul said, I'm ready now to go and preach at Romans, and preach at Rome. He said, why? Because I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation to all that believe, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. Paul the Apostle is saying right here in verse 10 of chapter 8 what he said there in those first 18 verses of, of this Roman letter. He's saying, listen, if you want to see the victory over the sin nature, you've got to walk by faith. And faith is obedience to God. Regardless of what you see, you are doing what God said. Folks, we're totally out of time today. I encourage you, go back and read that 15th chapter of the book of 1 Samuel and say, God, I want you to show me, listen, my heart, and I want you to show me the condition of, of me, the church, in regards to that. And I want you to show me how to get victory over my adversary. Show me the, the flocks that I'm taking I'm calling it as a sacrifice to you. Show me the, 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 the king agags in my life. Show me those things that I've, I've brought in and I've paraded those things around that have caused me to walk in rebellion and in arrogance towards me. God, I want you to search me and show me those times. I believe, folks, what you're going to see is you're going to be testifying and you're going to email me at, at raven at biggrace.com testifying and say, you know what? Man, God has brought such a revelation of those things that I've done that I thought all these things, even at Revelation 2, 1 through 4, the church at Ephesus, I thought as long as I was doing most of the things that I was okay. But I did not re realize that just a little bit of rebellion is like the first uh, Corinthians chapter 5 concept of a little leaven, leaven in the whole lump. That I've got to war against those things. I've got to battle. I can't sit in my spiritual detente and think that my adversary has ceased to be like a roaring lion seeking to be devour. Folks, we are totally out of time today. Thank you so much for being with us today and I encourage you to be back with us tomorrow at 9 o'clock a.m. with the Raven Institute of Ministry and Biblical Studies. i got some advice for you today. Get into God's Word and God's Word will get into you.